Sometimes less is more. Combo Nation! <laughs> but not in this scenario, man. Episode 450 of Combo's Court is here. That's right. 450. It's a lot of episodes of Combo's Court, if I do say so myself. But first and foremost, appreciate everyone who listens, supports, tunes in, watches the clips across my social media platforms. All of you, man. Appreciate you all. To the longtime listeners, to the listeners that just started tuning in, all of you, man. You are all greatly appreciated. We did this together. 450, man. 500 coming soon and way beyond that. We are here. Today's show, Sam S. Fandiari of the Light Years Podcast joins in to talk Warriors and NBA draft. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Light Years Podcast. We just had an interesting coffee conversation, but now we're here to talk basketball. What, <laughs> what's up, Sam? How are you? I'm doing good. I uh, feel like this has been a weird NBA season, just in terms of like how everyone in the West is basically 500, um, but we're close to the playoffs. So I'm getting kind of excited. Good vibes for the Warriors. They're, they're picking up. Anytime you get the update that Steph's going to be back within the week, the vibes, the vibes pick up. Most definitely. And I feel like, you know, Clay actually already has a championship post-injury, which is amazing. But I feel like we're starting to see that there's a chance he might be able to give even more in this future uh, playoff run, right? Agreed. I think, look, he's not the same player he was pre-injury. I mean, how could he be? Um, but offensively, he might be. Like, he's he's definitely lost a little bit of lateral quickness defense. Like this past two months, which has really been with Steph kind of in and out of the lineup, he's played as well as I've ever seen him offensively. Yeah, offensively, he's been great. I feel like the biggest difference between before his injury and now is maybe the strength or just presence on even both sides of the floor, because defensively, mm-hmm. he just seemed a lot more sturdier back in the day. Yeah, I would say it's it's quickness. Um, he just he's not going to guard the quick, the you know, the small quicker guards that he used to do back in the day. Like he used to be the guy who'd, who'd guard Russell Westbrook or um, Damian Lillard. Now it's, you know, they're going to put him on someone on the wing where it's more about like using his strength than trying to, you know, keep up with the John Morant's of the world. Do you feel like, and if you had to put a percentage on it offensively, where do you think he's at? Honestly, like maybe a hundred, like it's wow. pretty damn close to me. Cause it's like, look, He's never going to lose that shot, but he seems finally like comfortable with game speed so he can hit basically the same shots he's always hit, but with a hand in his face. I feel like when he initially came back, the combination of getting used to playing at NBA speed and then just getting his legs right had him short on a lot of shots. He'll say um, 
it was his legs in the early season. He didn't scrimmage uh, during the offseason. He had kind of a phobia about that because he uh, tore his Achilles in kind of an offseason scrimmage. Uh, so he really opened the season uh, a little out of shape. And when you're out of shape, you know, it's, it, your, your shot kind of goes short and flat a lot. Things have been good lately, but obviously uh, the Warriors have had a lot of issues over the course of the season. <laughs> yeah. I think it did start with the pool Draymond situation because I feel like, I mean, people have talked about this before and I talked about it as well. When you, when something like that happens, which whatever happened like that before, right? Um, sure. It's like you lose, you can't be the same leader, right? People right. aren't going to respect you in the same way. How much of that has to do with the Warrior struggles? It's definitely part of it. Like their their season is so fragmented. Like the best way to describe their season is they haven't got a rhythm. Um, first you have the punch, and then um, you know obviously Draymond can't command the locker room the way he typically does. Right after that, he's more like trying to just get back on everyone's good graces. Then, mm-hmm. right as it seems like you know they're kind of moving beyond it, and he can be himself. And like, let's be let's be clear, a lot of Draymond's value is like being the vocal leader on the court. So if he can't do that, it's like you know it, it, he sets great screens, but like you know what I'm saying? It's like it's uh, like he's an intangible guy, and he lost one yeah. of his intangibles. Exactly, that's the best way to put it. Um, right as it felt like they were kind of coming to a good place and moving beyond that, then Wiggins gets injured, then Steph gets injured. Then Wiggins comes back. Then Wiggins gets injured again. Then Steph gets injured again. And so it feels like a lot of their issues kind of tied to this fact that they have not had a chance to kind of have their core guys locked in both physically and mentally for like 15 game span at all this season. Now, I was skeptical of the two timeline thing the year they won the championship full transparency. Is that starting to catch up with them a little bit? Of course. Um, I mean, there's no way around it. They let go of good veterans who contributed last year. Uh, some of it was capital. I mean, they literally ended up trading Wiseman for one of those veterans, GP2, and obviously now he's hurt. But, um, you know, even the Damian Lees and Juan Toscano Andersons of the world, they were all reliable players for the Warriors. And reliable veterans get you through the regular season. They help you win that game on a Tuesday where your main guys are a little tired and not into it. And you know, kind of cutting all those guys off and throwing a bunch of guys who aren't even of legal drinking age out there um, and asking them to contribute at a contender's level was a little unfair. And that's definitely another part of like their terrible start and kind of unevenness all season. I didn't get a chance to go grab a tweet from years ago, but I did say when it might have been either after summer league or when Kaminga got drafted that his biggest opportunity for NBA minutes, in my opinion, I think a lot disagreed with me was actually at the five spot. And that seems to be what he's playing now, right? He's, he's playing the three on, on off. He, de- he's he de- the three on defense. He, he definitely, he, de- he definitely yeah. has a three skill set, mm-hmm. but like, he, well, just, so, he, he just gives you something as that spawn ball five at times. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a fair call out. Like if you saw their game Tuesday night against Portland, they were down 20 in the first half and they ended up winning by, um, I want to say 10 points. Uh, and Kuminga had, I want to say uh, almost all of his 18 points in the second half. And what changed in the second half? He started cutting aggressively off ball, essentially like a five. They technically had Draymond out there playing the five, but you know how Draymond plays his game. He'll be, he'll be ball handling on the perimeter. Then boom, Kuminga cut dunk. And that combinations work really well for them. So, yeah. And also I feel like he, he's yeah. a guy who could give you rim pressure 
in a system where they never yeah. had a guy that could give you that type of rim pressure. They just got to the rim basically because of the gravity from the three-point shot, and now they just got a guy that's could be potentially elite at that. Yeah, the player that um, Kerr's mentioned in the past, and they like to mention Sean Marion, they want him to really kind of contribute in that way where it's like Marion averaged like 20 plus for most of his prime, but he wasn't a guy who you put the ball in his hands. It was, it was cutting, it was hitting, hitting the glass. And next thing you know, he's, you know, eight for 12, 20 points and, you know, 10, 11 rebounds. That's really what they're trying to get Kuminga to do. And yeah, Tuesday against Portland is a prime example that uses athleticism, put pressure on the rim cutting. You know, there was that highlight dunk where it was essentially tied Jerome passing it out to him, you know, running under the rim. Kuminga dunks over two guys just cutting hard from uh, top of the key. Um, yeah, when he's locked in and doing that stuff, he he adds an element that, quite frankly, they desperately need. In terms of it, in terms of his development, what improvements would you like to see him make? Defensive awareness. Yeah, he's really good uh, when he's guarding a guy one on one. He doesn't foul. He doesn't reach. He obviously has the foot speed, athleticism, and strength to stand stay with most guys. Um, you go watch the game against the the Mavericks. He actually guards Luca really well. But, you know, the Warriors run a lot of different defensive schemes. And like all young players, knowing where to switch off ball, uh, you know, where to rotate to when Draymond steps up and stuff like that. Like he gets a little lost on that sort of stuff. And I think that's really what probably keeps him off the floor in closing time, you know? Yeah. Former Warrior, KD, makes his debut <laughs> last night with the Suns. I was thinking about this lately. Like when I was a kid, a journeyman was like a guy who was a fringe NBA player. And now you could be a superstar and a journeyman at the same time. Yeah, it's wild. I was also thinking about it. Uh, now he's playing with Chris Paul. Um, if he somehow ends up playing with Damian Lillard, then he's played with literally the, the five best point guards of this generation. You know, if you just run through it, it's like Westbrook, Steph, Kyrie, Chris Paul. I mean, Dame's the only other guy I'd really add to that list, right? Yeah, it, it's fun, though. I mean, look, he gets to play wherever he wants to play. That Giannis skit was hilarious, and people took it, it people took it seriously. That was the funny part about it. Yeah, I I mean, I never get why people get so so mad at that sort of stuff. Like he was reading off a teleprompter; it was all in, all in good fun. Like who cares? Yeah, a hundred percent. So, what do you feel about this Suns team? Does that? give them a leap into the title favorites. Where do you place them in the West? Because the West, as you said, is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, the Suns look amazing. They're also like four games above 500. So, um, I mean, I have to take them seriously. They were, I didn't think they were a serious contender before the trade, but you add KD to a strong playoff team you're obviously going to leap to the next level. It's going to be interesting because they're going to be figuring it out on the fly. Like the Hornets without LaMelo ball, it's a nice soft landing for your first game. And they're going to look amazing against them, but that's not a team who's playing playoff caliber defense. I'm curious what they look like when they go up against the better teams. And maybe that lack of continuity starts to show itself, but like end of the day, you have a chance to make that move, you make it. And honestly, I'm more terrified about how they look next year because then you get the off season to bring in a couple more complimentary pieces. Um, you also get like the off season to figure out the chemistry and everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, considering how wide open the West is, there's no reason they can't run, run out of the West with only like 15 games played together. 
Yeah, I do think they're definitely going to have to build chemistry, and that's why I wouldn't have them winning it this year. But on the other hand, I mean, KD is a really easy superstar to play with. Yeah, and honestly, like Chris Paul, one of the smarter point guards in NBA history, Devin Booker, also not the hardest player to play with, kind of like KD. He'll, he'll play on and off ball. He's a smart player. Um, in terms of like figuring it out on the fly, it's a pretty good setup of players who who should be able to do it more, more so than others, I guess. Do you feel their one of their issues could be because when I watch the Heat play, I see that they probably should change up their shot profile a little bit. Like you got Tyler, Bam, and Jimmy shooting a whole bunch of twos. Does that even <laughs> matter with a team like the Suns because they're just so efficient? Not, I don't think it matters only because guys like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and KD can absolutely like shoot threes with the best of them. You know, like it's like, should they maybe take a few more of those and a few less elbow jumpers? Sure. But they have the ability to, whereas you look at someone like Miami, I'm, I just don't think they have the roster to do anything different than what they're doing on offense right now. So it's like, when I look at the Suns, it's, it's more like, will they get there? They're not limited by their talent though. Yeah. I guess everybody always talked about how there was redundancy and skill set with Harden um kd and Kyrie, mm -hmm. i'm guessing you don't see that the same way on this team but on the other hand like they are all in the mid-range area and operating from the mid-range yeah i mean sure but kd also adds uh different elements to your team one yeah, right uh, he's a better scorer than than booker and cp2 are both damn good players in their own right two uh he can do things defensively they didn't have like i mean with Jay Crowder out, it was like a revolving door at, at power forward. KD, when he's locked in, great weak, weak side rim protection, can switch on to everything. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see who the fifth starter is. They went with Josh Akogi, and he played really well last night, but it's they are thin. That's what happens when you like trade your depth to get a player like KD on the fly. You're going to be thin. Ultimately, they should be able to figure it out. It's just a question if it's this season. I know you pay attention to the draft closely, and Shaden mm -hmm. Sharp was one of those mystery guys, and you got to see him play recently. I mean, he's showing that he's going to be much more than an ISO guy from the AAU factory that people might have thought he was from, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing that kind of has surprised me about him all year is how pro-ready he is. He didn't. He obviously didn't play uh, for right, right. Uh, in college last year. And so my mind, uh, you know, watching the Warriors closest, I thought it'd be like kind of like James Wiseman where like the tools are there, but it's going to take him a while. And that hasn't been the case. Like, you know, Portland's somewhere in between like a uh, bottom tier playoff team and a rebuilding team. Uh, but he doesn't look like he's the reason they are. He looks ready to play. and The upside is very tantalizing there. Yeah, staying on draft talk, you asked me on Twitter, who are your top three guys outside of Wemby and Scoot? Um, the Brandon Miller situation is just tragic, but just from a basketball standpoint, I think he's clearly the guy after them. And, and I was actually thinking, like, if he had a magical March Madness, him and Scoot would become a conversation. Not saying I would take him in front of Scoot. I think it could become a conversation because, you know, people are just so tuned into March Madness, and I think he's bound to have a great stretch there. But who would be your top three outside of those two main guys? Brandon Miller. I mean, he he checks the box of what every NBA team's looking for. Like he, 
he's like a legit six eight six nine. Um, can shoot basically from the minute he crosses half court. Uh, he could guard multiple positions, so you got to put him up there. Um, after that, like Amen Thompson, maybe it's hard mm. for me. I never know how to. I just quite frankly don't get to watch as much overtime basketball as college basketball and G league. So uh, I'm shooting a little blind there. And then like, honestly, like, I don't know if he should go top five, but my favorite is Anthony black. Um, and that's probably the warriors lens coming through it. Cause he just screams the type of player that Steve Kerr would immediately play and could play off of Steph and clay. Um, but you know, the same way everyone like Tyrese Halliburton um, and, they question the upside. I feel like that applies to someone like Anthony Black. Love Anthony Black's game. Super great feel. Got the size. Underrated athlete and underrated defensively, too. Just a great feel for the game. He's not the shooter Tyrese Halliburton is, but he's bigger, right. he's bigger and more athletic. Love his game. Agreed. I feel like sometimes people overthink it. It's like he's a legit 6'7". He plays point guard. Uh, and he has like he sees the game faster and basically everyone's on the floor with like the odds that that's not going to be a productive starting caliber player very low and the upside's probably higher than you think because if he's if he's that smart as a true freshman like you don't think he's just going to start reading the game faster and faster as he matures yeah totally agree. all right let's end with this sam steph curry mm-hmm. is there is there an injury update when is he coming back are you tapped in talk to us man the the word is sometime on this road trip. So they have two home games, uh, Thursday and Friday. So Clippers and Pelicans. Then they go to L.A. to play the Lakers on Sunday. Um, and then they, they play the Lakers, the Thunder, I want to say, the following Tuesday, and the Grizzlies on Thursday before coming home. If I was a betting man, I'm looking at Tuesday, March 7th against the Thunder as when he comes back. But right now they're playing at Koi and they they're just really hard to read from a medical standpoint because they really don't disclose anything. They tried to hide the fact that he scrimmaged on Tuesday. That tells you everything you need to know. But if he's up and scrimmaging a little bit, you know, he's at the the final stages. Like for all we know, I wouldn't be shocked if he played Sunday at noon against the Lakers. Hope to see it happen. In my opinion, the Warriors still have the highest ceiling when it comes to NBA offense, but there's a lot of variables that come into play with this Warriors team, and we'll we'll have to see how things go moving forward. For sure. Sam, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Appreciate you. Anytime. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Big shouts to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Big shouts to Sam S. Fandiari for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories. And tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Share it on Twitter. You could tag me on Twitter at Combos Court. That's C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. Same name as the podcast. Appreciate you all. And be on the lookout for episode 451 Combo. Out.